Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, April 13th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a pretty important follow-up to the general dioxin story, or rather the coverage we've been doing. There's been a lot of different examples. I mean, there, we, a lot of people have been discussing the 18,000 cattle that were weirdly and almost impossibly killed all, almost with one explosion. It's, it's very strange. There's a lot of these different s- stories popping up lately and, and even further extending, talking about the different you know, plants catching fire and food chain and all these different things being affected. And a lot of people, and even just after Ohio, East Palestine, people started noticing all the different train crashes and asking, is this normal? I don't even think we've gotten a solid understanding of that because it seems that the numbers that were put out acting like, no, that's super common. It happens all the time is even being disputed. But even if it's not, even if it wasn't being disputed, that number should be I mean, that shouldn't be OK. That's it's incredible that they would try to point at the numbers and act like, no, no, it's benign. Well, that shouldn't be happening that often. But today we're going to focus on another exp- fire that 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 started apparently by some truck that caught fire inside of a plastic waste plant. Now, what I was talking about today when I got into the story, I wasn't even planning on doing a show today. And I went into this story and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I know that I'm looking for something. I know that I have confirmation bias here. I know that I am looking for what I think is happening elsewhere to try to connect it with the larger story. So my point in saying this is that I started this whole thing today going, okay, be I'm on the surface of my, of my thought process. I'm constantly trying to be careful that I'm not just finding what I want to find, right? I think that's an important point to make in the context of this kind of investigation. There's really no other way to investigate without having some sort of an objective, right? But always remember that that can... You know, I say that because there's a, you know, part of this people would might, might argue, well, that you're just trying to find that kind of point. Well, it may be even the, well, that, let's just say that's the case. I mean, it is to a degree. If you still find these connections, is it not still relevant? And then even further, as I go through this, my point being, that's my thought process and whether or not this is what I'm thinking it is becoming, it's just, it just became, it becomes more and more and more evident that this is not just about one location. This is about a long-term problem that it seems to have been addressed behind closed doors. Studies done, international conversations, the UN, the WHO, from 1990s to 2000s, all dioxins, all sorts of different conversations about how serious this problem really is. And then, weirdly, it just kind of went away. Now, there's been topics about it, discussions here and there, but when East Palestine happened, it, I believe it opened up the conversation to something that they never really thought we were going to pay attention to, whether that's PFAS, dioxins, or, or things like benzene or all sorts of other products that seem to be widely used despite us seemingly roundly being aware that these are dangerous. I, don't, I mean, that only makes sense when you realize that we're leaving these captured agencies and the government doesn't care about you, right? despite the fact that they, you know, that whole pro, the whole point of all they do is to convince you that everything they do is for you. Now, this story today is just concerning in a thousand different ways, and I believe this is going to open the door into a lot of different conversations. Now, this just happened yesterday into today. They're still burning. As I said in the title, they believe this could be burning for days. And if I'm correct with what I'm going to show you today, that these undeniably seem to have chlorinated products that are in this location on fire. That guarantees that we have dioxins being produced at levels way higher than we talked about in regard to East Palestine because of the way that it's still burning and because of the, the amount 
that we're talking here, millions of pounds, as I understand it, that have been building up in this location. And I'm going to get into why that is. But with all the information we're going to show today, I think it's pretty clear that they're aware of it as well, that they know that this is something that could be there, that is there. And again, the question becomes, why is the EPA out, out knowingly not testing for something that is a possibility, if in my opinion, an absolute? I think it's because of the way we started today and the understanding that they know they can't do anything about this. And we're going to get into more information from the WHO, even the UN, making it clear that dioxins are a very serious problem. And once they enter your body, they never go away and they end up in your body and they bioaccumulate. Now, never being the context of how this continues to spread, the point being that seven year half life is the argument. But even that's disputed left and right. The point is, this is not some benign thing that should be dismissed. In fact, as we are beginning to understand, specifically TCDD, which is again what we're talking about is the most dangerous thing we are aware of chemical in, dis- in chemical discussion. That's pretty incredible. That, that's still being said as of right now, we still understand that the EPA and I'll show you an article that makes this point has still to this day, not tested for dioxins or at the very least shown you what they found. They're, they're not standing up and saying we did this. We're holding it back. They're just kind of re- hoping this drifts into the background. It's staggering to me. So that's the main focus today. I have a few quick notes we're going to start with, and we're going to go through that story and flesh this out. Then I want everyone to come to their own conclusions, as always, and let me know if you think that there's something that I'm missing. First of all, I just wanted to make a couple of quick points. There's so much going on today, every day, all the time, and there's all these different stories popping up left and right. And I just want to give a couple of points to it. doesn't mean I won't talk about it in a future show. It's certainly possible. But there's a couple things flying around. One is you're going to see the, the extension of the story about the so-called Pentagon leaks that apparently only the corporate media has seen and nobody else has verified, but we're all acting like it's complete, which, you know, we should be considering, entertaining, reading, if, or if, you know, assuming we could see it. Like, for instance, Robert made a point in his article about the, the discussions in the supposed leak material about Mossad. And how there is information showing that there's, you know, insinuating a rift between the U.S. government and the United States government. Or excuse me, the Israeli, did I say it correctly? The Israeli government, the United States government. I thought I said U.S. twice. (laughs) Freudian slip. Now, the point ultimately is that this is questionable. The entire leaked Pentagon discussion is completely questionable. And we should be asking, you know, what in there, just like the Twitter files conversation, which is a lot to that story as well. What in there would we not really truly know to, you know, there's, there's important to prove things for sure. Always. It's absolute necessary. But when they're leaking a bunch of information that doesn't seem to be truly that shocking outside of some, you know, troop deployments in Ukraine, we all knew that NATO was inside of Ukraine. What else is going on with this? What's the whole point? Now, this apparently is an identified suspect, which, again, I just want to call attention to how irresponsible it seems, just like we saw with what was it, the um, the uh, marathon bomber, um, the Boston Marathon bomber when they, the suspect was put out by all the corporate media and it wasn't the right person, or at least that's the story. And so this person got attacked, his life got destroyed. You know, this is here we go again. Identified as suspect, this 21-year-old U.S. Air National Guardsman who looks like he's 10 years old. Now, frankly, I just don't buy this. It's just my personal opinion. It's my gut. But you read through this and you'll quickly find out exactly what's going on here. Whether or not he's a genuine person, it turns out, guess what? He's part of secret shadowy online groups that talk about guns and racist things, literally. Now, even if that's true, 
What in the world does any of that have to do with the fact? The point is that do is that the only kind of person that leaks? Is that the only kind of person that commits shootings? Well, no. We just saw a whole bunch of woke anti-Trump, he, she, them, they shooters, right? There's been two examples of them we just saw. So how is it that we're going to say, okay, well, it's just this one or just that one? Or rather that it's only these kind of people that say these certain things that we should care about because this is politics and propaganda, even if this person is real and even if he did leak the information. Now- Obviously, there's a crime to be discussed if the, the way this went down. If, was the, if, but on top of that, here, this is where the game gets tricky. If you can argue or prove that what he released to you exposed a crime, then he is arguably protected under whistleblowing laws. But of course, they're not going to say it's a crime, even if we can say, well, you lied about your troop deployments. Doesn't that a crime? No, because national security, that's how they play with even with Assange, right? That, yeah, he did absolutely prove to you that they were breaking the law, but it didn't matter because national security, garbage. Now, I don't believe this is real. That's what my gut tells me. And if I see the document, I'd still want to comb through it and look, you know, for myself. But and just like with source material, the lack thereof and Twitter files, I'm not going to believe into what the corporate media tells you about this. That seems pretty naive, especially today. But the whole point is that Biden's kind of dismissing it like not that important. But the real important thing is that it happened. And now we have to ask why and focus on the individual and what he thinks and what he does, and then use that to basically brand everybody in this certain area as a certain potential person. And that overlaps with the vanilla ISIS MAGA trap concept, where now it's not just about violence, which it is that too. The whole thing is rife with conversation about his, you know, him shooting guns and all this different stuff. But then it's also just about, you know, you being a, a threat to national security in other ways too. You might leak information. The military is a threat to the government now. Right. That's how a lot of this stuff is becoming. It's just if you want to really bring it to the core, possibly just straight core division tactics. So this country literally breaks through the center. But on top of that. Apparently, guess what, guys, are you going to be shocked to find out that, that? Well, let's put it this way. My opinion is this supposed teenage member of the group that's quietly reached out to the FBI or whatever. The, the, this is a plant, guys. This is how these things work. There's probably I'd be willing to bet today that these chat boards are probably 50 percent bots and FBI and they're acting like they're finding something out and they're probably lying to each other. It's probably the CIA talking to the FBI. and They don't even realize that's how ridiculously convoluted this has gotten. But this person is speaking to Bellingcat, you know, another outrageous propaganda outlet. The person is a teenager who talked to him you talked to the investigative journalist so why was the journalist in there probably because they've been planted in there the point is that this doesn't feel genuine at all and now you've got a person who's supposedly part of this group who is a part of the group so he's aligned with the group but yet he chooses to speak to a group that wants to call them does that make sense to anybody unless he is a plant right it says he yells a series of racial and anti-semitic slurs into the camera and then fires a bunch of rounds Right. So he's an evil, bad person because he said things we don't agree with. And he fired a gun. Right. Look, I, I could point out that I think racial slurs are disgusting and you're a bad person if you say them. But you know what? You're allowed to say them. And that's your constitutional right. So the point is what they're saying is he says things he's allowed to say and he does things he's allowed to do. Bad guy. Don't miss that point. But overall. I don't trust it. Now, here's another one coming out recently. All this happening around all these stories. China sent not so subtle threat to Joe Biden revealing Hunter's bank records. Says Senator. Now, is anybody going to dispute who has two brain cells to rub together that the Biden family is rife with unbelievable, obvious le levels of corruption? By the way, we could say the same thing about Trump and his family and everybody else. But, you know, people don't only like to think about one. But the bottom line is I'm not disputing that this is probably real. And maybe, I mean, let's put it this way, whether the documents are real, that it's probably genuine, that they are criminals or committed this kind, you know, that his bank records, if genuine, will probably show these things. Right. But. 
my point is, first of all, nobody's seen these but some pe- but the U.S. government, right? And that's being reported on now at a time when other things are, I mean, we got the vaccine discussion completely burning down in front of everybody where they're still killing children with these things. We've got all sorts of, I mean, Ukraine and Nazis funding. We've got Ohio destroyed. Now we've got this new story here. Everything's falling apart. And this is what we're pointing at in the corporate two-party paradigm realm, right? Now, I'm not saying it's not important, but how about we have something to go on other than than Senator Johnson says so, Grassley says so, so we should take it at face value? Yes, hashtag Twitter files. The point here, though, is from the right, ask yourself how ridiculous it is or acknowledge how ridiculous it is that the very group that's been screaming, China lies about everything, China lies about the Wuhan flu, China lies about every trial, I mean, everything, right? Don't trust China. China, bad guy, but China says what we like. Yay, correct, without proving it. That's ridiculous. That is utterly stupid. But that's what the two-party paradigm does to your logic. Now, question this is all I'm saying. I'm in no way insinuating that I know what this is, left, right, up, or down, real or fake. But until we see it, why would you trust a senator or anybody else involved with politics? Question it, guys. Question it. Thank you. Abby, add a baby. It's a boy. Just posted the uh, Rebels for a Cause ticket link in the show notes Make sure or in the chat. Make sure you check that out. Now, other than that, I wanted one other point before we start into the, main, the only focus of today. Space Jelly shared something that I thought was really telling. She says, whatever, or before, I guess I should read it first. But so Elon Musk, after the whole, uh, and, and the Pirate Stream episode, we talked about this, and you should really check it out. This clip is hilarious. Whatever you think about Elon Musk, this, he makes this BBC guy look like the fool that he is. The absolutely following, mindless regurgitator that he truly is, and the rest of them. Because the point, the crux of the point is he goes through asking, talking about hate speech, and he basically goes, give me one example. And we've all seen this. This has been circulating. It's been on every high-level channel at this point. And he basically goes, oh, no, no. He tries to dismiss it and go, well, I don't even use it anymore. He's like, well, then how do you know? Is it because they said so? The bottom line is he's saying because authority said, because these groups and these think tanks who said there's hate speech, therefore, I think there's hate speech. But you can't prove it because you don't even know because you either don't see it and lie about it or never even checked. Because your marching orders are to find the narrative. It's just pathetic. And he also goes on to talk about all sorts of other things, including uh, it's, it's a good interview. You should watch it. One of the things he does say, which I think is concerning, is that he asked about Twitter files and he basically goes, no, we're moving to the future. Now, you can take that for what you will. I don't know whether he means it's going to end or not, but that didn't give me a lot of hope that this is going to not that I had much anyway. But I think we need to acknowledge that this is not what we were sold and the Twitter files are have always been a psyop. But that's not to say that the information is completely false or the screenshots didn't allude to true things. It just is training you in a certain way, and I've said it many times. But this person said, I think the only good thing about COVID was how many eyes were opened to how easy they can be controlled and narratives can be controlled via fear. More eyes now open, which is a good thing, but it's a very painful experience. He said bullseye, but he says this will make some people upset. But, and this is basically the Trump moment of backing the injection when all of his supporters don't agree, he says, but I need to emphasize. And of course he says this because he's absolutely tied up in literally every facet of the Great Reset direction. On top of that, literally mRNA factories. He says, accelerating synthetic, which is mod RNA, which is what they're using in these injections, not M, but mod RNA. Look at their documentation. Accelerating synthetic mRNA technology was another silver lining. I mean, this is mind-blowing to me. It says, it is a revolution in medicine like going from analog to digital. Now, I'm not necessarily disputing that. I don't agree with that. But that could just be because what I see is not the real, honest version of what this could be. I only say that because I'm not a scientist. 
But from my perspective, every single iteration of what this is is seemingly painful, bad, hurting people. I mean, destroying immune systems, causing reproductive problems. But, you know, let's let's just pretend like Elon knows. All I'm saying is that it's interesting to see that there are people that are right now screaming Elon Musk is saving free speech and fighting for freedom. And then also on the same platform saying mRNA is the worst thing ever. I'm wondering what those people say about this. Right now, here's an interesting thing to think about. If those people don't mention this, take note of that. That says something about who they are. On top of that, if they say something and kind of then suddenly have a little bit more of a glowing perception of mRNA just because he says this, same thing. Ask yourself what that means about their character. I'm not pointing at anybody in particular, but you know these people exist. People that will happily kind of toe the line because Elon, and that gives them lots of reach on Twitter. And then, you know, when it suddenly realizes that it's not about free speech, don't really bring that up anymore. Anyway, it says the COVID mRNA vaccine dosage level was too high which I actually agree with, but I don't think there's any safe level of what they've been doing and how they've been doing it. And having a zillion booster shots was idiotic, causing more harm than good, in my opinion. So essentially, that was too much. But one's okay. That's what he means. But I am convinced that synthetic mRNA is the surest path to curing cancer, among other things. Of course, that's always the caveat, right? Oh, well, if it cures cancer, who cares about what else it's been doing to everybody, right? Assuming we're not, you know, you're curing the cancer that you're also causing by the same pharmaceuticals you're using elsewhere. But this is frustrating to me. Just going to make that clear to people. And she and Space Jelly says whatever, but pulling off a giant scam to insert the tech into markets and bodies is kind of what people are mad about, not hypothetically curing cancer. Good point. And I just simply said, yep, he just said that. Make sure you make sure you realize where this is going. And I keep that hashtag. And also the same ones he's talking about, by the way. Well, my opinion. Cause this. This is new. This is from yesterday. Office of National Statistics. 11,584 deaths were registered in England and Wales in the week ending 31st of March, 2023. 20.9% above the five-year average. 21% above the average of excess death. And this is supposed to be the time when we've succeeded. Didn't you know that? We won already. Didn't they tell you? We did it. It's over because they did it with all the successful... That's what the narrative is right now in the mainstream media. 10,856 in England... 708 in Wales. And of course, when you go further down the link, you find out that they do address the fact that these are non-COVID because here they have 634 that are mentioning COVID, not because of, but simply mentioning, which means they got a positive PCR test or however that works. It doesn't even mean they have this. These are baffling, according to the experts, except it's not really because we know exactly what's happening. Not every single one of them, but the reality is the the data, the peer-reviewed science have made this clear. Net harm, 36% 36%, 36% more risk than not getting these things according to their own studies. And we know that COVID was less than the flu, according to the Ionitis group. All this stuff is clear. Now, all of that aside, because I want to focus on all this, but I wanted to include this absurd point. Let's get into my really concerning this. I just can't get this stuff out of my mind. It really does concern me because I feel like there's something like I'm somebody who prides himself on trying to take, my, take good care of my body health wise. I mean, everywhere you could discuss so when I start realizing that maybe there's no way around it, that the air I'm breathing and the, the, the grass you're walking on, these kind of things are already kind of generally a problem, that makes me very uncomfortable. It's be feeling like you don't have an option, like you're helpless, right? That's what makes me concerned, and I want to know what I can do to fight this. And the only way you can do that is if you know what's going on, and that's the last thing they're doing right now. Now, I just want to include these links again. I'm not going to go over them again. For people that want to brush, brush up, I, mean, I, I recommend you check out the very last show we did on this exact topic, which I think I can grab. um, Oh, that's weird. 
I can grab right here. Here we go. The last one we did talks about the truck spilling, which is really just kind of crazy. 20,000 pounds of a 40,000 pound load, which personally looks like the whole truck tipped over. So I don't know why it says half. But the point was that this was inside of Ohio. Inside of Ohio, this, this spilled. Which I guarantee you is laden with all sorts of problems, including dioxins, PFAS, and everything else. This is, this is the fact. We could prove this now by the testing that the EPA refuses to do and that independents have found. People on March 27th and continuing to this day are telling you that they are sick. They are having problems. Their eyes are burning. They have headaches. They have coughing fits. They have what's called chloracne, which we can prove. People are finding vinyl chloride in their urine. People are being diagnosed with chemical bronchitis. All of this is provable. CDC goes and half their team gets sick in the beginning of March. They still pretend like they don't know what's happening. This is painful to watch. Now, again, this was the CDC, excuse me, the CNN article from 1995, just simply pointing out that dioxins, as they become airborne, can travel thousands of miles. Thousands. They know this. Dioxins end up in animal fish or fish in the fatty tissue where they can then move into your fat and continue to bioaccumulate. The EPA says chlorine compounds like dioxin cause serious health problems. They know this. Then their researchers say it's everywhere. Back in 1995, it's funny, I don't want to tell you that now. They tell you right here that just eating Big Mac, Pizza Hut, back in 1995, could give you from 8 to 150 times more dioxins than the EPA says is safe. Funny you don't know that, though, right? I bet you it's worse today. Now, here is the other one to include, that this is the Arctic community, an Inuit community where the women's breast milk is showing high levels of dioxins, not because they have anything around them. 500 kilometers in any direction, there's nothing producing dioxins, but they prove that it comes from North American sources, that the air coming from the United States is causing dioxins to accumulate in their breast milk in the Arctic. But let's pretend like it can't go past two miles, past 30 miles, past 100 miles. You know, all these arbitrary levels they keep telling you. And of course, we discussed the clean harbors problem, which is where they seem to be sending most of these soil shipments to places we can prove can't deal with them. Prove. Both in Baltimore, we, t- we discussed, as well as the Lone Harbor facility. And I included, for you to listen to, I'm not going to play them again, the actual discussion I had on the phone with these people from the Lone Mountain facility where they tell you, yes, we do not, we cannot deal with these. We don't have incinerators. And it's company policy not to use uh, to use anything but an incinerator with dioxins and PFAS. And this location does not have one. It says it right there. It's a landfill. And we talked to Baltimore. Same thing. Same thing. You can listen to them for yourselves. And yet they're still shipping these things. In fact, here's one that just spilled on the way to a location that is not able to deal with dioxins. It's baffling if you didn't really know, other than the fact that it's very clear what's going on, in my opinion. I also was on uh, Kim Iverson's show just the other day, and it just aired, and this uh, starts at 5730. You can listen for yourself. And it was about a 15-minute segment, and, and you know, good, good on her for having me on to talk about this, because I don't see many people diving into it right now. It, it, this, and we went over the main point of this, that this is a real problem. Now, to bring this to the focal point of today, we have, as we said, I said this on the 12th, Thank you to, I think it was Jeremiah that pointed this out to me. Here we go again. I'll cover this in the show, which is today. And this is the fire with toxic fumes could burn for days in Indiana. Now, let's before we get into the actual details of the report from the corporate media, I want to point a couple things out. This is from the U.N. Again, these, that point is not to say that we should trust the U.N., but just simply meaning that that's the, what the people who would believe the corporate narrative or would say U.N. is something you should trust, right? Well, 2019. Plastic bag bans can help reduce toxic fumes. 
Oh, of course, this one of the few I still use that old highlighter with. Let's see. It was right here. The burning of plastic plastics in general. So the point here is not not specifically PVC, which we're going to talk about, or some of the other versions, specifically fly ash and some other things that they do deal with at this Richmond facility or had before it was no longer used. We'll explain all that. There are specific things in there that I can prove to you will cause dioxins that are there. So it's kind of not a debate, but just talking about plastics in general, right? This is the UN telling you the burning of plastics simply releases toxic gases like dioxins. That doesn't mean every plastic all the time, but this is the general worry. Dioxins, furans, mercury, polychlorinated uh, uh, biphenyls, or better known as uh, BCPs, into the atmosphere and poses a threat to vegetation, human, animal health. Okay, so explain for me with this very basic understanding of just burning plastics, especially millions of pounds of multi of all sorts of different kinds that they're telling you right now that don't worry, it's just the, it's just the smoke. Everything else is fine. That's literally what they're being told. The smoke is the problem. If you're anywhere else, if you're not seeing the smoke, that's not true. I don't, it's just, it's just like with Ohio. They're going, no, no, we're testing for VOCs and it's fine. Are they testing for the things that, I mean, all the things we know that, I don't think that's the case. This is still developing. Look for yourself. But we'll follow up on this. But the bottom line is what they're saying now does not show that they're testing for everything that's happening. I'll show you their EPA themselves. We'll come back to it. Okay, so that's, this is a, a the, part, the point of all this is that it continues to cause problems, not just because of the smoke, but because of what you're burning and the byproducts. Dioxins settle on crops and in our waterways where they are eventually enter our food and hence our bodies. The dioxins are potentially lethal persistent organic pollutants that can cause cancer and disrupt thyroid and respiratory systems. You know all this. We've talked about all this. Now, here are just a couple other examples, though. This is uh, phthalates are the very chemicals that give plastics their durable qualities. So every plastic has these flexible and softness. They are, guess what, guys? And endocrine disruptors. Fantastic. So yet another example of this happening in a way that overlaps with lots of conversations. That is being distributed because they're burning all these plastics. That's a fact. Associated with a plethora of health problems from fertility issues to neonatal impacts on babies to allergies and asthma. But just the smoke, though. Plastic, and this is quote, burning of plastic waste increases the risk of heart disease, aggravates respiratory ailments such as asthma, emphysema, causes rashes, nausea, headaches, and damages the nervous system. This is just general burning of plastics. I think that was generally it that I had um, highlighted in here. Going to the next one. So here is the New York Times report on what this is. Let's get into what they're saying about this. Plastic recycling plant. Fire with toxic fumes could burn for days, which right now it's still burning. Plumes of black toxic smoke billowed over eastern Indiana on Wednesday from an industrial fire that was expected to burn for days. Residents within a half mile radius of a plastics recycling plant in Richmond, Indiana, were ordered to evacuate. Now, what, 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 what's the difference here? Why order an, a mile in, in East Palestine, but only half a mile here? Like, what's the, what are these arbitrary distances? If you're burning things that could produce the same top-level risks, just like in Ohio, which I think will prove is happening here, why only half a mile? It's a good, valid question. They were ordered to evacuate after the fire broke out at 2 p.m. on Tuesday on the 14-acre property. Now, this is, the, this is Matthew Kames, the director of Waste County Emergency Management Agency. On Wednesday, he said this. He says, quote, there are very fine particles, and if they are breathed in, can cause all kinds of respiratory problems. Right, but those particles, if not breathed in, then just vanish? 
Well, no, they settle. People could experience some burning sensations in their eyes and tightening in their chest. Like, I'd even be willing to, to bet he probably went, said something to that effect, and, but they just don't include it because the EPA is only saying the smoke is dangerous, and they're just let, leaving it open-ended. Officials believe the fire started on Tuesday afternoon after a semi-trailer caught fire on the property. Of course, they don't think any foul play was involved. One thing that pops into my mind about this as we go through, think about the question here. Does anybody have a motive or, or, or a motivation? to destroy all this. As we go through, you'll see what's going on. This is a sort of defunct property that's a problem for both the owner and the government, and it has millions of pounds of all this plastic just building over the years that's causing all sorts of fire hazards, clearly. Okay, so who is motivated if, just hypothetically, who would be motivated to set this on fire? If that's just something we should consider, right, as any other possibility. Because as we go through, I think some of these things will kind of materialize to wondering, well, mate, was, could the, would the government be willing to do this for a certain reason? Would the owner be willing to do this for some kind of insurance reason? I mean, or is this some kind of larger psychological game that's being done to poison people? Is this done to bl- blend more dioxin into the background? I mean, I don't know. But we should ask all of these questions. Now, it says, depending on the direction of the wind and where it is carried, the toxic fumes, the area, areas under evacuation orders could change. So that doesn't seem very sound. So half a mile now, but, you know, it could change by the wind. Cool. The smoke is definitely toxic, said Stephen Jones, the Indiana State Fire Marshal, told reporters at the news conference. Definitely downwind of the incident. People need to avoid getting in the smoke and getting out of harm's way. Yeah, like immediate. So understand when these things usually happen, the, the usually the responders and people dealing with it have the, the mandate to essentially deal with a very a ascending or descending level of threat. Right. So first they focus on immediate threat right? Fire, things that could cause you to die Im- immediately, right? And just like with Ohio, and they taper back to things that are less dangerous. But it's weird how they never seem to want to address these things in the moment because the EPA is not supposed to be doing that. The EPA is supposed to be dealing with this in a broad way and overseeing all of this, right? But they never seem to do that, which I'm very suspicious about the EPA in general right now, which we should be. I quite frankly think they're a completely captured agency. The United States EPA said that five coordinators were monitoring the air outside the evacuation zone for various toxins expected from plastics in a fire, such as carbon monoxide and benzene. Now, I'm going to show you that carbon monoxide and benzene, these things show up in other conversations alongside dioxins. As an also, so it's weird how they just choose to you know, omit that part of the conversation or not do it at all. But benzene is interesting, right? Seeing as how this, something else we see popping up kind of all over the place. But going on, now this seems pretty minimal, if you ask me. I'm sure it's updated by now, but here is the EPA's post about this. The, and the location is called My Way Trading. Now, this, there's a little, it's kind of convoluted in the sense this is an old company, My Way Trading, that apparently filed for bankruptcy. And this has changed hand a couple times. Seth Smith appears to be the owner of the location, now operating under Cornerstone Trading. What's interesting, though, is that all of this is, I mean, it doesn't really matter ultimately, other than the fact that this is a potential danger to people around the area. But these things matter as this fleshes out. Any one of these data points could become relevant down the line. But April 12th, it says the EPA's air monitoring has detected particulate matter as expected during a fire. I don't know if I like the answer, first of all, because just because they can dismute it, just oh well, we expect that. Like, I want to know what, what exactly it was not just what you are looking for. It says the agency is also monitoring the air for products of combustion expected from plastics fire, including not limited to, right? But they just include particulates, carbon monoxide, volatile organic compounds, which is relevant, but that's the general concept, benzene. And then look at that, chlorine. 
Okay, well, what's a byproduct of burning chlorinated products? Dioxin, specifically TCDD. Okay, so if they're testing for chlorine, that means they believe it's possible or they know that it's present in the area. Okay, so then they know that a byproduct of dioxins is at least a possibility. And I'm, I'm being very objective with that. My point is I think it's verifiable. But if they know it's there, why are oh, now Again, my point should not be that I know they're not. At least in, in, in Ohio, we know that they're not because they've admitted that right now. This just says including. So they very well could be testing for it. But my point continues to be that if that's the case, which I think we do know that's the case, then the area is much larger than that. The problem is much bigger than that. And why aren't they including it? Important. On Tuesday, April 11th, around 2.30, two warehouses containing large amounts of chipped, shredded, and bulked recycled plastic caught fire in Richmond. The picture I have on the, on the main page today uh, next to the fire is actually a picture of the, I'll show you next, of the, the bundled plastic, whatever you call them, bundles, I guess, outside of the building. Now, here is a report coming from Axios. What to know about the toxic Indiana storage facility fire? It says the fire started around 2.30 at these two warehouses containing that same plastic. The city said the My Way Trading Warehouse was previously used by a business that collected and packaged recyclables for selling. And that the facility operator was previously cited by the city's unsafe building commission for various violations. Richmond Mayor Dave Snow told AP that prior to the fire, the city ordered the owners of the facility to clean up and remediate the factory site. But this is pretty interesting how this went. It says, quote, we knew that there was a fire hazard the way they were storing materials. Now, we're going to get into what happened here. What's interesting to me is that, that with how, the millions of pounds that were there, they gave him 60 days and said, take care of it. And the guy's like, are you crazy? There's not, it's not even physically possible for me to get all this out. And he did. that. He petitioned him. He said that. And they shut him down. So this is interesting. So they clearly knew, that, you know, logistically that he could not actually get that done. As he makes the case, it doesn't matter if we have trucks coming in and out every second, the rest for the next two months. It's not possible. You guys are setting me up to fail. And they just went forward anyway. So I asked the question of whether this was something being done by the government for a very certain reason. Just something we should ask. I'll get into that more in a second. It says the Google Street view of the facility from May 2019 showed several plastic containers filled with materials and large stacked bundles of cardboard and other materials in the open air storage. On Wednesday, the EPA said it was monitoring for combustion products that are common from fires involving plastics. You know what one of those obviously very common things are? As every other place points out, dioxins. As we just showed you on the benign UN, just general plastics, they said dioxins. So why is it continually left out? Including, it says particulates, the same things. Benzene, chlorine, yeah, they're just choosing not to look for it. It's very telling. Now, here's one that gets a little more detailed. A blaze is still raging, this is today, at the Indiana recycling plant that was a known fire hazard. This has a little, this some interesting details the others didn't. It says a massive industrial fire continues to rage at the recycling plant of Richmond, Indiana, in what officials say was a preventable disaster had the business owner heeded the orders. Of course, you know, that's what they're being told by whoever they're talking to, but they seemingly don't care about the full story. According to public documents in 2019, the city of Richmond's unsafe building commission, the RUBC, ordered the owners of the property, now today Cornerstone Trading Group and Seth Smith of Union County, to remediate the site after finding it contained numerous plastic materials uh, constituting a fire hazard. The order was ignored, they say. That's not true. 
That's actually pretty disingen- pretty dishonest. It wasn't ignored. He actually fought openly to tell them that it's not even possible. And then pos- maybe try to do it anyway. But the point is, he just said, it's physically not possible. And they just didn't seem to care. Now, why would that make sense to anybody? Court records show that Cornerstone Trading Group and Seth Smith, who we'll point out in a second, sued the city of Richmond in 2020, right, the beginning of the illusion of COVID, seeking a review of the cleanup orders. And this is the point. So if they did at least cover it on this article, saying, well, he tried to get it reviewed. The judge, however, ruled in favor of the city's commission, which we have the document right here you can go through, which you can read for yourself. It's pretty, it acknowledges what he said and just ruled him against him, which is pretty telling. Now, it says, following a failure to pay property taxes, the city took over a portion of the site and began remediation efforts in 2021. So now it gets pretty interesting. And I want to ask why on the New York Times, Axios, nobody felt it necessary to mention that the city itself was involved with this location. Isn't that pretty telling? Now, it says Richmond Mayor Dave Snow, however, still, of course, blames the owner. Of course he does. They don't want any accountability. Now, again, even if the, even if you believe the owner was, you know, played a game here and was playing them and didn't, you know, just was there, there's a reason they should be accountable, which there should be to some degree. As I get as you go through, I think you'll see that there's a little it's pretty foggy here who should be accountable. But if the city is involved, yes, they should be accountable, especially if they're involved. And then this happens. It's not surprising that the kind of malfeasance these we see from the government would lead to this. But it says fires on the 175,000 square foot property known as My Way Trading Warehouse broke out on Tuesday, April 11th, forcing thousands of residents to evacuate and avoid potential health hazards. Indiana State Fire Marshal Steve Jones said the press conference was definitely toxic, though the exact materials have yet to be identified. So again, when they are unaware of what is in the plastics, or at least that's what's being stated, why do you selectively look for things that aren't even the most dangerous? Kind of hard to miss how this works, guys. The agency has warned that the particulate matter in the air could contain asbestos and a cancer-causing substance. That's, I mean, really, of all the things that are there, and I'll show you in a minute, asbestos probably is the least concerning to me, which is interesting. The Wayne County Emergency Management Agency has told residents not to touch any debris. Okay, wait a minute. If all we're saying is the smoke is dangerous, then why are you telling them not to touch any debris? You know why? Because that they find to avoid potential exposure to the unknown chemicals that they clearly are aware of. There's something else going on here. But yet you're telling people it's fine. You're telling people, no worry, just the smoke. But all I'm trying to say in this is if you, if you know that you don't know, then you shouldn't say it's okay. You shouldn't say that everything's fine but the smoke, which is what they're being told. At a time of writing, the half-mile radius around the site of the fire remains an evacuation zone. This is today. Okay, there's some interesting new, new additions there. Now, in 2016, it appears My Way Trading filed for bankruptcy, which, as you can see here, or this one, this one was the, uh, which one was it? Oh, I don't think I brought it up, actually. The document you can look at, it shows you that it's essentially resolves it, I think, 2017 to 2018. So that company filed for bankruptcy. Now, Seth Smith, who is now the current owner, uh, is, is the owner of Cornerstone Trading and now owns the My Way Warehouse, but his website apparently is diversifiedgreensolutions.com, just to make this clear for what we're talking about. Now, here's a very, very weird overlap before we get into the crux of the point and which is what's there and so on. Here is a page of Rick Sophia, who is the, uh, who was the, was the owner. Let me look again. Um, let's see. Oh, managing member of Sand Pellets. 
and this is the company right here, Sand Pellets Formulation and Production. The bottom line is Sand Pellets sells millions of pounds of reprocessed plastic resins. Okay, so clearly a group that processes recycling with a lot of different plastics that are just, un, you know, that can't be broken down. Well, there's a, you could potentially make money by, by repurposing these and selling them to people that use them. Now, what's interesting is this guy clearly seems aware that PVC or rather anything that could produce dioxins is dangerous. Or at least that'd be my opinion. Either way, he turns this down. Now it says, he, this is Rick Sophia, two years ago. We are looking for scrap mixed plastics, which is what this place seems to have in spades, right? Pricing delivered to East Palestine, Ohio, close to 0.05. Now, I don't know. How, this is very weird to me. So this is a guy managing a, a, a reprocessed plastic resin location, or rather just using polymers and moldings and stuff for people to use them based on these recycled plastics, right? And he's saying two years ago that he was looking for scrap mixed plastics to deliver or pricing delivered to East Palestine. Now, this could just be a random coincidence, but I, I, the way this stuff is connecting does not make sense to me. And I think there's something to this. He says this means material has issues like PP and PET in it need big volumes. Now, here's where it gets even more interesting. This person down here says PEX and, he's, and this person adds PVC. PVC, polyvinyl chloride. And he says, don't really like trying to run PVC. Okay, so it's in and, and, and the first point is that suggests to me that he's aware that PVC is a problematic direction. Seth Smith, owner of My Way Trading, chimes in and says, hello, Rick Smith, Rick, Rick Seth Smith, Smith here. Can you call me, please? I have a larger quantity of materials I think will work for you. Now, maybe he didn't see his other response because I'm going to prove to you that what they had there was at least in part PVC. Now, I tried to call the number there, which is publicly posted. So this is doxing or anything. It's on. It's publicly out there. The point is that ultimately that number, as well as any other number I tried to find to try to locate this, the information or talk to them, either went to a dead number or it just didn't answer. Very interesting to me. Oh, and then here's just Seth Smith's LinkedIn, which is pretty empty, but just showing you owner, president, my way trading. This is the person we're talking about. Now, I just wanted to show you this to show you how absurdly close this is to Ohio. Right. So, I mean, look at this, guys. You've got, you got, you know, this happened in, in, in Palestine, Ohio, East Palestine. Right. Then they shipped this out to Columbiana which is all, you know, all closer over here. And by the way, this kind of went over into Pennsylvania anyway. So you just so happen to have this other problem happening right there. Like, could obviously could just be coincidence. But what is going on in this location that it's, if this was something that was happening, what is happening right there that's so important? Something to think about. Well, obviously the point about the center of the country in regard to infrastructure and food, that's one way to look at it. But I just can't, it's kind of hard to believe this is all happening this coincidentally, right? Now, here is the link to My Way Trading Warehouse, Indiana. Now, what's interesting is it seems to have been loading now, but weirdly enough, just in case this matters, when I first started trying to look into this, it was really strange. It, it, it redirected to this very strange, weird link that if you go, if you look at really quickly, and it, it'll take you to a bunch of like, you know, buy this and buy, you know, casino stuff and all these like spammy things, which is very weird to me. But I did, it did eventually load and I got this one specifically for my way trading, diversified green solutions. Here's what it says. Now, this was the first thing I saw that was like, okay, there's something to this. It says, My Way Trading, the location where all this is on fire right now, is a full-service plastics brokerage firm serving the United States and all major ports throughout the world. We proudly specialize 
in many of the plastic materials often thought as unrecyclable. Well, we know what that is, right? The things that can't be incinerated, burned, repurposed, the things that are dangerous, the things that contain potential dioxin byproducts and so on, right? So that's my first indication that this is, a, this is a location where it's probably rife with the top-level problematic stuff. Now, we're not talking about an incinerator here. This is a repurposing, recyclable type of location, trying to sell them and use them elsewhere. Oh, and this, weirdly enough, I tried to look the Wayback Machine for this specific link, which, by the way, is the link directly from the My Way link to the homepage. What's weird is that apparently somebody out there, multiple times a day, every day since the 31st, right up to the 12th, has been trying to archive this. Most of them not even possible. I didn't even notice this one apparently is. There's one of them right there. But the green means it just won't load. It redirects to some spammy website. Yeah, see? It goes to bestbogus.life. <laughs> okay, so why is somebody on the 31st trying to archive this website up until the 12th? You realize this started yesterday, and yet nobody else was doing that before then. I don't know what that means, but that seems odd to me. Why was somebody so interested 56 different times on just the 31st that now is no longer there. And again and again and again and again and again, every day until the 12th and it stops, the day it starts. <laughs> I honestly don't even know what that means. That seems pretty strange to me. Now, this is a great article that uh, Orwell sent me. She's been helping me dig into some of this stuff today. 2019. 2019. Now, this has some more interesting stuff in it. So here's the image, and this is the this, you can see, property of cornerstone trading. This is the kind of stuff we're talking about. These bundles of just plastics by, and you know just recycled, recycled stuff. Cornerstone Trading Group and its owner, Seth Smith, have filed a complaint. So this goes back to the point where he's saying he filed a complaint and said, you guys are crazy to think I can deal with this. He filed a complaint asking for a judicial review of the commissioner's order affecting the parcels of 308 and 310 and 358. One of those being, I think 308 was the My Way location. It says, on October 22nd, the un oh, that's not the right, going on to what I highlighted. In late 2015, Smith, Seth Smith, was diagnosed with a serious illness and had to take a step back from his company, which, by the way, was then known as My Way Trading. So he's been involved with this the entire time. He said, but now, and now he operates under Cornerstone Trading. He says the people he hired to run the business while he was gone, so there's this caveat about whether you know, they're the ones, it's interesting, in his absence, are responsible for inventory piling up throughout the three parcels of land and the buildings on them, which resulted in Smith having to declare bankruptcy. That's what we just pointed at, right? That was 2016 when that happened, which was here, here, there. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Now, what's, what's also interesting to me is that there's three locations around this area that are similar right now. So if we start seeing those other ones break into fires, that would be pretty telling. But also, you know, they're obviously potentially dangerous if this is the case. But either way, the point is, this is the same overlap. And he had to file bankruptcy in 2016. Now, according to Smith, it wasn't until March 2018 that he was able to get his business back on track and start to get through the inventory. So all this time, guys, years this stuff has been piling up, or at least it was during the 2015 to 16 year where these three people that I can't seem to track down were working there for him, which is still his responsibility, ultimately, right? As the boss, the leader. So it built up. Now, our, I think what I was sussing out here, it seems like it was still building up over the years to some degree. 
It says Smith doesn't actually own the plant, but he moved in his materials years ago when he began the process to ask the country to waive the unpaid property tax on the site so he could buy it. He became ill before the process could be finished. Now, we were talking, we were seeing, I did see some overlaps to some of some overlaps here that seemed to indicate China to some degree, which I wasn't able to really flesh out. I'm going to come back to it, but it's interesting because I want to find out truly who, you know, owns it now and who's responsible. But it's odd that he, so he tried to make this happen and, and failed. But remember, the, the local U.S. government got involved in 2021. So there is an overlap with the foreign entity. That's pretty telling. But it says, quote, there's literally a little over 12 million pounds of plastic in that building. 12 million pounds. That is crazy. I I could start trucks and run them for 20. And be clear, we're talking about the exact location because that's the whole discussion that they're basically saying that this happened because he let build up. I could start trucks and run them for 24 hours a day, and it's not going to get it done in 60 days. If, it's, if I had some place to go with that material, that's the other point. Is that he doesn't even know where to take it, right? He says, quote, if I'm not given time to vacate that facility, it's the same thing as shutting me down. It says, quote, the bank, this is interesting, has 100% ownership of that material. So we're not talking about the location, mind you. This is where it gets even more interesting. The bank apparently owns the, the, the recycled waste, apparently, because he leveraged that material with a loan with the bank. So what's really weird about this is so we understand how this works. This is how the illusion of recycling typically goes, even like it's called downcycling, is that you, these pe- people believe that they're taking care of this stuff, especially when we get into the point about fly ash. This is, this is already a byproduct, right? They take that byproduct and repurpose it. And it's the same thing. If you need another place, especially a place that might deal with incineration, to incinerate another byproduct, it just shows you how it's just being moved around, especially when you hear experts tell you that these things can't be burned, despite what the EPA says. But so the bank apparently owns 100% of the material. And guess who it is? First bank. Interesting. Now, going forward with the amount and everything else we're talking about, here is just another lo- another uh, article that just discusses the the particular things that we should be concerned about with the overlap of dioxins, not all of them, but the ones that stand out. And now just so you understand it, we're specifically talking about halogenated plastics. Now, when I, when I was trying to get in touch with them today, that's what I was going to ask about, right? What, what specifically, whether or not you deal with those, but I think we know that they do. And I'll show you next, but it says if it's a big, uh, basically halogen plastics made from chlorine or fluorine, these all produce dioxins, high levels. Chlorine-based plastics, chlorinated polyethylene, chlorinated polyvinyl chloride, uh, uh, um, chlorosulfonated polyethylene, fluorine-based products. You know, you get the gist of it. And it says, and here's what caught my eye, and this is why I wanted to include this. This is just me doing research. But it says, the World Health Organization said, quote, once dioxins have entered the environment or body, they are there to stay due to the uncanny ability to dissolve in fats, and to their rock-solid chemical stability. Now, we're going to come back to that, but just in case you think it's not true, here's the World Health Organization from 1999 literally saying that. Once into the body, they are there to stay. We'll come back to that. So ask yourself why we're being told otherwise today. Now, here under Diversify Green Solutions, also My Way Trading is owned by Cornerstone Trading, Seth Smith. Here's what it says. Under What We Recycle. Well, there's PVC resin right there, and I'll show you why that's the same thing, as well as the fact is I looked up fly ash. Now, on top of all of that, 
I will do more on this in general. You can look at a lot of these things talking about, I mean, what, what was the thing that stood out to me? The adhesives and silicone. And I'm not even just talking about dachshunds specifically. Polypropylene. Like a lot of these things specifically, like, I mean, even nylon for crying out loud. Like th- this is not a smoke problem. These things themselves individually create byproducts and just, you know, residue. That's not just smoke. I just think it's kind of baffling that all they're telling people is the smoke is the problem. Now, if we comes, if we end up like a week later where they go, no, 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 we were just focusing on the immediate risk. Well, then you lied to people. You told them it was okay to be a mile away. If they knew that this was going to spread the way that we that we know it's happening in East Palestine, they would have been going forty miles away, leaving the going somewhere else, right? And that's what's supposed to be the EPA's job is to actually keep people safe and inform them. But so these are all the things at least stated publicly that they deal with. Now let's, and this was the, the repackaging resins discussion for, and that's these pet packaging resins. They said PVC pet. Okay. So here is polyvinyl chloride, which is what we're talking about. PVC resin specifically. It says polyvinyl chloride, commonly referred to as PVC, is a synthetic resin completely used in plastic products. Commonly, excuse me. So that's what we're talking about. It says while in use, Polyvinyl chloride products are a major source of volatile organic compounds. What's interesting to me is that's one of the things they're broadly testing for. But what's interesting is why would polyvinyl chloride be the thing in the air if that's what's being burned? You'll get some residue, you'll get some some overlap, sure. But isn't it more important to realize the byproduct of PVC is far more dangerous? They know that. PVC products leach. Um, this was the phthalates thing we just pointed at and other chemicals into the air that are in turn ingested by consumers and linked to diseases such as asthma and increases in developmental problems among children. Great. At the end of the product life, incineration of PVCs creates dioxin and other toxic byproducts. There you go. Not that we needed to prove that because it's pretty obvious since we've been, you've probably been following since Ohio. This is not hard to understand. Here is, oh, it un- unhighlighted, of course, but here was the, I looked up one of these other polycarbonate th- points that were in there. And this is just something I want to include that down here it lists polyhalogenated compounds. One of the things they list is specifically P- uh, polyvinyl chloride in PVC as one of these problems. And it lists, in th- this overlap, this is just showing you how I kind of go through the process of the research. 2015, here's a study in July. Dioxins. And specifically, not vinyl chloride, but polyvinyl chloride, which is what they were dealing with there, PVC, in combustion and fires. Here's what it says. Review on PVC and dioxins. With its high content of chlorine, which we should know by now, therefore you know chlorinated products, byproduct is dioxin. It says PVC is frequently branded as a major chlorine donor and spitefully leads to substantial formation of dioxins during poorly controlled or uncontrolled combustion in open fires. Well, what do you think this is? Attention should be paid to PVC with respect to the ignition and development of fires, as well as attenuating the emissions of objectable compounds, such as carbon monoxide. Oh, didn't they just talk about that? Hydrogen chloride, polycyclical uh, aromic hydrocarbons, and dioxins. So if they knowingly are testing for one thing that can create carbon monoxide or whatever else, then why are they weirdly leaving out the other things that are more dangerous? Same point. Now, here's fly ash. Here's the other thing that we pointed out that they are claiming they can deal with or that they, they, they operate in. Now, I didn't know what this was, and this is how the game works, right? I shouldn't call it a game, but the point is that, you know, in the, in the work we do, you don't know everything. I don't, nobody knows everything, and I never claim to know everything, and I'm learning as we go. That's how this works. 
but it's that's why we question everything, including what we come to, you know, our own conclusions. I'm just saying that because the people shouting you down to say that you're not an expert, you don't know. Well, how how well are the experts, so-called experts, led us these days? And you shouldn't dismiss them either. The point is that human beings can be wrong, they can lie, they can be influenced. Back to the point, fly ash, otherwise known as flu ash, coal ash, or pul- uh, pulverized fl- fuel ash. It's weird. It does say flu ash, but then it says fuel ash. And down here, it also continues to say flu ash. So I do think that is a thing as well, not just a typo. It says, is a coal combustion product that is composed of the particulates, fine particles of burned fuel that are driven out of coal-fired boilers together with the flu gases. Yeah, so that's why it's flu ash. Ash that falls to the bottom of the boiler's combustion chamber, commonly called a firebox, is called bottom ash. It says, in modern coal-fired power plants, fly ash is generally captured by electrostatic precipitations, precipitators or other partic- particle filtr- uh, filtration equipment before the flue gas reaches the chimneys, together with bottom ash removed from the bottom of the broilers known as coal ash. So fly, fly ash being a part of this process and overlapping with the same, you know, otherwise known as coal ash, right? I don't think it mentions anything in here. Oh, I forgot to point out. Not that I have to, but there's a lot of weird stuff. Like, okay, here's an example. I don't know what this actually means, but you can find this in a lot of these other points, like these these pages too. So if I search for dioxins. Oh, that one did show up. Let me see. Okay, see, same thing. There was one one example of it in here. Now, the point is it is saying that it does produce dioxins. They're saying it's a small amount, but the point is it does. The point was here is that where are these other examples? You see how it shows that there's supposed to be a whole bunch of examples, and it says there's eight, but you scroll through, and it only shows that one. There's no other examples. So I don't know what that means. Does that, and see, they're supposed to be down here. Does that mean that they're in there, but they got removed, but they're still in the, the, the HTML background? I'm, I'm just wondering whether things are being actively suppressed and altered right now in a very large way, because this is bigger than we think. Just a thought. But trust me, a lot of these articles... Or these old documents you can go through and search for dioxins, and it's high. it says, oh, there's four examples, but it's not anywhere in the article. Seems strange. Okay, but fly ash. March 17th, 2023. This is a fly ash point, but also just a general point about dioxins. It says the science behind dioxins, vinyl chloride, and they say proven remediations. Now, remediation doesn't actually mean to remove. It just says the action of remedying something. Stopping the damage. That's not the same as getting rid of dioxins. But they use that term, and I think that's on purpose. Because I think the reality is that they do not know how to get rid of this stuff. But as it says, there's a lot of good information in this, but it says here, what are dioxins and are they dangerous? Now, this says, while the EPA has not tested the level of dioxins, many experts are concerned since dioxins are persistent and 90% of human exposure is through food because it bioaccumulates in the fat, Right? As we've made clear. But again, this is this is March 17th, 2023. They are openly talking about East Palestine. So isn't it interesting that this is not a conspiracy theory? The EPA has not tested or at least has done so and not told anybody. How is that even possible with everybody everywhere going? I mean, remember, a hundred high level scientists and doc- or I think it was scientists and, uh, and chemists reached, signed a document saying, EPA, why aren't you testing for dioxins? It's kind of crazy that it's still happening. Guess what it says here, too? Dioxins are highly toxic and can mimic or activate transcription factors and cause misregulations in gene expression. <laughs> That's a new one. It doesn't surprise me. 
So just think of the overlaps with all the genetic modification, the, the you know, mod RNA and all these different things, genetic editing. And yet now we're seeing this mass problem with dioxins in the background that actually activate transcription factors and cause misregulation of gene expression. That's just interesting, resulting in many disrupted physiological functions. It can also interfere with many hormones, such as estrogen, androgen, and thyroid hormones, leading to abnormalities in reproductive developmental immune systems. Fantastic. Now, just for not fun, I guess, but you know, for to entertain a theory, right? And I'm not saying that this is what I think is happening. But just to show, I was talking about this with somebody else today, to think about why, you know, we seem to focus on things. Like, for instance, right now, a lot of people are trying to find how this is covering up vaccine side effects. Now, that's a thing we should ask and, and something that I've entertained. Could this be an effort to hide the real problem that's being caused by these injections? That's a genuine question that we should be asking. But let's just for, just for you know, to theorize, for, inter- for, uh, for conversation's sake, turn it around. What if we have this dioxin problem that is so ubiquitous and so serious that they're, they know at some point people are going to catch on. So they execute a vaccination campaign that will make it look like that was the problem. I'm not saying, I actually don't even think that. Because I think it's very clear, or it could be both causing problems and it's meant to blend it all in the background. But I think it's very obvious that the vaccination or injection failure is a huge problem and it's actively being covered up. But just, let, oh, it's important to stand back and ask whether, you know, we are hyper-focused on what we think is happening as opposed to some other dynamic that could be causing it. That's just an interesting way to think about it. Now, all that aside, here is the point about fly ash. It says dioxin removal with, the, with many patents focused on removing dioxin from air or fly ash. So what the, just to make the point clear, what they're saying is they've got patents for removing dioxins from fly ash. So it's not hard to understand that if they're using fly ash, that if that's burned, that is a, has dioxins as a byproduct. And that is the case. And it goes in here, and here is the patent they're talking about, or rather the study around it. And this is what it says very clearly. The objective of this study was to check the feasibility to treat medical waste incinerator fly ash. So again, my point before was that if you're, you have a medical incinerator that creates fly ash, then you have to deal with the fly ash for dioxin. Doesn't that show you something? That there's, they do not have a process to deal with this properly, or at the very at, at least they're allowing it to be done in such a flim, uh incompetent way that you're creating when you burn it that causes byproduct that enters the air or to some degree which we've already proven with these other locations but it says uh to treat medical waste incinerator fly ash directly through microwave irradiation so in this study they're essentially arguing that they can use microwave irradiation to deal with it but guess what they find you'll find it very telling this this is not that old this is from 2019 it says the destruction efficacy of dioxins in the medical incinerator fly ash, remember fly ash can come from a lot of different things. This is specifically medical incinerator. Results demonstrated that the dioxin destruction effect was better in an N2 atmosphere than that in an air atmosphere. They tried it with nitrogen versus air. It says, and the total dioxin mass destruction efficacy of fly ash and the froth were 55.4% and 95.6%. So even with their brand new microwave irradiation, they still have 5% of the dioxins that never get removed. Think how crazy that is. And in, with the air version, which is what they're using in, in clean harbors and everywhere else, they're just, it's, in a, it's an incinerator, not a nitrogen air incinerator. I, I've, I've, I've already looked this into this. So that means that at best, if they're burning fly ash, but I'm willing to bet it's with anything that creates these, that they're getting 55%. It says, therefore, microwave-absorbing additives should be used to improve the decomposition of dioxins. 
very clear, guys. So not only does Fly Ash also have that byproduct, which is another thing they're they're claiming to, or rather that they're repackaging and using there, and now is on fire. The interesting thing is that the information that they are showing also shows you that they're never really actually getting rid of dioxins, which is probably why people in the Arctic are having it in their breast milk. And God only knows what's happening to us. But it says dioxins, database, methods, and tools. This, additional to the fly uh, ash point. And there's a lot of other interesting things in here showing you other methods, and none of these seem to be complete. But it says uh, a method that is dealing with water, soil, fly ash, sludge, and other. It says measures concentrations of individual 2378 uh, substituted uh, basically PCDDs or TCDFs, other versions of dioxins that are less dangerous than TCDD, but is less sensitive than method 1613B. Using this low resolution, it can quantify individual dioxins in fly soil and ash at 1.5 parts per million. Just showing you yet again that, that is a problem. Now, going forward from this, oh, I, I thought this was interesting, just secure product destruction, which is odd because it seems to be they're outwardly pointing that they're a recycling plant that redistributes, but they there's a, a point that says destruction. So I tried to look at it. That's not there. Who knows why? Blank. I, I reloaded this. I looked at the Wayback Machine. It's just blank. So who knows? Maybe they removed it because it shows something they don't want to see. Maybe it was never there. I don't know. Either way, I think it's pretty obvious what's really going on. The idea that we can prove that these things are there, this is on fire, and this is apparently burning for days. I don't know how this is less, how it can be possibly less than what happened in Ohio. The vinyl chloride was a limited amount that got burned. And it was done in a way that maximized the problem for everybody around it. I think that was on purpose. Or at the very least, for people that did it, didn't realize they were being led in a very dangerous direction for corruption, for, you know, account, you know removing accountability. You know, there's a lot of possibilities of why. But clearly, they made a choice to do something that caused the biggest problem. Now, again, like we talked about, could be trying to make it look like the problem is so spread out that it wasn't because of what they did. This is a classic tactic. But... With it burning now, with all the information we just showed you, it's very clear that not only is there something weird going on around this discussion, but there's very clearly a problem that they don't want to talk about. And as of right now, the EPA is saying, you're good, half a mile away, don't avoid the smoke, there's no problem. And they're testing in the area, and they're actually saying the air is fine. And not testing for these or not telling you that they are. I just don't even know how to make sense of this anymore without realizing that we're being absolutely, if not lied to because of incompetence and profit, we're being poisoned. Now, here's the WHO document from 1999. Now, ask yourself how this, whether we're talking about East Palestine or anywhere else, how this can be the point, and yet we are told today that it's not a problem. Because it's only gotten worse since then. 1999, dioxins and their health effects. This is dioxins are environmental repeat offenders. They have the do. This is the WHO. They have the dubious distinction of belonging to dirty the Dirty Dozen Club. They call it a special group of dangerous chemicals known as persistent organic pollutants (POPs). Once dioxins have entered the environment or body, they are there to stay due to their uncanny ability to dissolve in fats and to their rock solid chemical stability. Their half life in the body is on average seven years, which means fourteen years overall. In the but again, the point is that they're old, that's the half life in the body. But th there's a lot of different arguments about how not only that it continues to bioaccumulate from other sources. The point is this is that the way that we've done that. I guess the point I'm getting at is like glyphosate, like plenty of other things, we're past the point 
of, of not, this is ubiquitous. As far as I can tell, with limited information and all the obfuscation, it seems like this has long since been a problem, and that's why they're afraid to make this clear. I, don't, I mean, even the glyphosate problem is amazing to me, that it's literally everywhere. And I'm not making this up. It's easy to prove. And the clothes you're wearing, the air you're breathing, and the food you're eating. And that does also accumulate in your body. Stephanie Seneff, PhD, argues that that's priming your body to have a worse reaction with the injections. There's a thousand things going on. But again, in the environment, dioxins tend to bioaccumulate in the food chain. The higher in the food chain one goes, the higher are the concentrations of dioxins. So your body is the top of the food chain. Now it says, what are the sources of dioxin contamination? Now it says, dioxins are mainly byproducts of industrial processes, but can also result from natural processes, such as volcanic eruptions and so on. I think it was, oh, let's see. Oh, right. It says, these compounds are also unwanted byproducts formed when thermal processes produce chlorine-containing organic substances. So not only when they make those processes, but when they burn them. So think about that. So they're making products that create dioxins. Then when they have to burn those products as waste, it also produces dioxins. Now, since dioxins are unwanted by byproducts of a wide range of manufacturing processes, including smelting, bleaching, and it doesn't have to be, by the way. It does because it's profitable for, co for companies, corporation, and corporate interests. That's why people are out there screaming, we shouldn't be, even be allowed to use these or ship them across the country, vinyl chloride and so on. But it says uh, the manufacturing of some of these, and of course, herbicides, pesticides like Agent Orange during the Vietnam War, in turn, which, by the way, we should understand was a, bio, was a weapon, a chemical weapon. It was not an accidental byproduct of trying to remove the foliage. It was used 20 times the level they were trying to use a chemical weapon. And it's because they realized that dioxin, TCDD, is a chemical weapon. And they've used it in the past to try to assassinate a Ukrainian president. Type it in. It comes right up. It's a real story. In terms of dioxin release into the environment, solid waste incinerators are the worst culprits due to incomplete combustion. Well, look at that. The WHO in 1999 telling us that using the things they're telling you right now that should be done, even though they're not even using them, taking them to places with landfills, even if it was going to incinerator location, it creates incomplete combustion. And we actually know this even from different styles. Here they're talking about microwave irradiation and also that even maybe gets 95 if they're using nitrogen. It says the bottom... Dioxins are not easily disposed of without contamination of the environment and human populations. Great. So even when they dispose of them, it's still hurting you. Now, how can they be destroyed? Now, this is interesting. Where it, Now, up there, it seems it's incomplete. And I think that's what we need to understand. Regardless of what process they say is supposed to do this, it's incomplete. It does not actually get rid of all of it. It says incineration is the best available answer, although other methods are being investigated because it's not working properly. The process requires high temperature, over 850 degrees Celsius for destruction of large amounts of uh, contam uh, contaminated material, even higher temperatures, 1,000 degrees Celsius. Now, what was that, actually? I forgot to do that. Let's do... Uh, that pops up. There we go. So, 1,000 degrees Celsius. Oh, look at that. 1,832 degrees Fahrenheit. So, it has to be above 1,832 degrees Fahrenheit or it, the one lower than that, it said, um, where was I? 850 degrees Celsius to 1,000. Either way, we're talking about something that's outrageously higher than what I think any of these are capable of. Or some, most of them, I should say. I take that back. I know that there have been, they claim there are some that are made to do this. My point again, though, is even that, according to WHO, is incomplete. Now, this was... 
Of course, it's gone. Let's see what this will. What are the health effects of dioxins on human health? Short-term exposure of, of human to high levels of, of human to high levels of dioxins may result in skin lesions, which we're seeing, such as chloracne. Now, here's what I find so interesting about this. Chloracne is also a byproduct of just direct vinyl chloride exposure, right? So now we have two times in East Palestine where you've got vinyl chloride, which was dumped and very clearly did go into the ground and the soil and the groundwater because they just dumped it right on the ground and burned it. But that also caused the vinyl chloride to some degree to go into the air, but I think that dissipates reasonably quick. But then the burning of it caused the dioxin byproduct, which then is clearly being shown here to also cause chloracne. And what are we hearing from everybody in East Palestine? A lot of them, skin lesions, acne on their faces, patchy darkening of the skin, like their legs. And I, we just went over this. It's right in here. Right here. She's saying her, grand, her leg was beet red, coughing and burning. I mean, this is literally what's happening. And guess what? It was the same thing the CDC experienced when they went there and the CNN, CNN said they suffered from fatigue, maybe. Yeah, right. Simultaneous fatigue when they all had rashes and coughing and vomiting. Totally makes sense. Great, great journalism, CNN. And altered liver function. My God, long-term exposure. This is short. That's short-term, guys. Long-term exposure is linked to impairment of the immune system. Of course, as always, and you know this, we've already talked about it. The developing nervous system, endocrine system, and reproductive functions. Chronic exposure to animals, to dioxins, has resulted in several types of cancer. TCDD, which is what we're talking about, was evaluated by international agencies for research on cancer. Based on human epidemiology data, dioxin was categorized by, a, uh, by, that, by that group as known human carcinogen. However, TCDD does not affect genetic material and there is a level of exposure below which cancer risk would be negligible. But what's interesting is over here, they're saying it doesn't affect genetic material. But on the other side, we're talking about, where was that? Ah, I'm a, I don't have to try and go back to it. I think it was here. Right. So it, it can cause, um, but this, this was specifically, it was dioxin, right? And it says right there, that can cause a misregulation in gene expression. No, interesting. You tell me in the chat if you think those are mutually exclusive. But it goes on to say, are certain population subgroups at greater risk? I think that was it. Oh, this again, who's, who's at most risk from this as they're not telling anybody about it? Fetuses? Newborns are very sensitive to dioxin exposure. Newborns are very vulnerable to certain effects. Of course. Of course it is. Now, last one of this. Oh, there's two more, actually. Now, this says, what does it take to identify these? The analysis of dioxins requires sophisticated methods that are available only in a limited number of laboratories around the world. Well, that's pretty interesting. Now, yes, this is an older document, but think about that for a second. If it's something that's barely got any attention since, since 2000, and they're telling us then that sophisticated methods were only available in a limited number of laboratories, I think this is, a, this is something that has clearly been designed to not be able to be found. That's what I think. It says, and then this says about 100 laboratories are able to analyze dioxins in the environment samples and in food, but about 20 laboratories in the world are able to reliably measure dioxins in your body, human blood, and your mother's and mother's milk. So right now when they're going, yeah, go to the lab, get it tested. Most of these labs aren't even capable of doing that, which is what we're seemingly finding out. So we're, we're being played when they're telling you, go get it sampled. And they're like, no one can do it. 
They don't care about that. They'll even give you money to do it, knowing it won't, be, that won't get done. And then it says, it, what is the WHO doing about the problem in the year 2000? This is where it gets really telling. Reducing dioxin intake is good public health policy and an important aspect of sustainable development. In 1998, WHO convened a consultation in Geneva to evaluate tolerable daily dose of dioxins. So in the year 2000, they were already dealing in the idea of the, the allowable amount. You realize that. 23 years later, people don't even know this is happening. Now it says the toler- tolerable daily intake. It says in light of new epidemiological data concerning dioxins effect at low levels of exposure and based on animal studies, the daily the tolerable daily intake was reduced from 10 pictograms for, per kilogram of body weight to the range of 1 to 4 pictograms, which is nothing. Then, then the current levels of exposure today, or rather today when this was written, the year 2000, uh, 1999 technically, of exposure in industrialized countries are in the range of 1 to 3 pictograms per kilogram body weight. Okay, so what they're saying all the way back then is that the tolerable daily intake for you is one to three pictograms per kilogram of body weight. Okay. One pictogram amounts to 0.000001 microgram. Do you remember why that number is relevant? Because what we're being told about what's happening in East Palestine and elsewhere is well above one microgram. The UG factor. In plenty of examples we showed. Here's another one just showing you in parts per billion, which is another factor, another number we heard, right? Where we're hearing one part per billion. One part per billion is acceptable, right? Except what they're showing here is that one pictogram represents 0.001 part per billion. And then we could take, let's take my body weight, generally, like 160 something, which is 72 kilograms. Okay, well, let's take a look at that. 72, or, uh, well, yeah, so the point is one, where was it again? So if, if uh, se- so per kilogram, okay, right. So that would be, so 72 pictograms, 72.5 pictograms would, would be what I'm allowed to, to, you know, that's the daily tolerable amount, right? Still, that only amounts to 0.000725 micrograms. So if, if the WHO in the year 2000 was telling me that this was all I was able to, that's a tolerable level, and yet right now in the testing that we're getting from independent studies is showing that it's higher than that, isn't that pretty concerning? And let's do it parts per million. Let's see what this says. 70, was it 75? 72.5. Same thing. That accounts for 0.0725 parts per billion. So why are we being told that one part per billion is acceptable? Here is the last part of this page, and then just one more point to make this seem pretty interesting about why this may be bigger. Here is the, remember, this is the WHO's document. This is the bottom of this document right here. And what it says, are there other sources of information about dioxins within the WHO? Well, apparently there was a whole bunch of them. The WHO Food Safety Program, which we know exists today, has established a webpage just for dioxins with general information about dioxins and other links to other websites. Okay, here's another one. The International Program on Chemical Safety, which also currently exists, has made the executive summary 
about specifically dioxins and the reevaluation of the daily intake available here and here. The WHO Regional Office for Europe has produced a fact sheet for dioxins available here. Guess what? Gone. 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 Hmm. I wonder why. I guess they don't care about dioxins anymore, despite screaming about how serious it was 23 years ago. Oh, and then one of them redirects to a World Health Day page, which is not the same page. Like, so if the page is gone, that's one thing. But this is actually somebody went in and literally redirected that link to this page. Now, one thing I actually forgot to do was try to try to way back machine one of these really quickly. Let's do it live and see what pops up really quickly. And see if we'll try both archives and see if we get something from it. Then we can dive in next show and see what we got going on. Okay, here we go. Okay, so ask yourself why these pages are no longer there. Oh, this is just the, the beginning page. I mean, okay, here's the interesting part. Didn't this just say literally this was a, a page dedicated to dioxins? Let's do one more. See what happens. These were the WHO's dedicated, or this one was the one dedicated. Let's try that one. They all are, technically. Nope, not that one. Last try, and then I'll leave this for the next show so people aren't waiting for the end of the show here. Oh, here we go. Okay, so let's go to the 2022. Look at that. If this was deleted in 2022, that's going to be very telling. <laughs> of course it's not found. Right. Okay, let's go back away far, and then, I'm, then I'll leave it. Nope, redirected. Look at that. There's, there's something going on here, guys. Even the old archives are being redirected. Okay, I'm not going to jump to conclusions here. Oh, wait, let me, just in case. Oh, it did work. Okay, good. Glad I didn't stop. Okay. No mention of dioxins. See, this is just the benign general food safety page. Okay, something's been altered. I mean, you can see quite clearly that what they're saying right there is that this is the has established a web page which they give you with general information about dioxins. I'm not seeing dioxins anywhere in here. Searching for dioxin, it's not popping up. Oops. Sometimes searching on these Wayback Machines, yeah, it's not going to work. Well, I think it's pretty clear that this is not about dioxins. And there's no tab for it. Yeah, anyway, something's off. Well, I'm again, that, there, maybe there's an explanation for it. I don't know. Bottom line is, why are all these gone? What's going on here? Is why, why is there seemingly this gigantic effort to downplay something they were all telling you was a problem Years ago. Doesn't that sound weirdly similar to something happening in, in, in Ukraine where they're going, danger, bad guys, criminals, Nazis, and then 30 seconds after they, the, the Russian invasion starts, they all start saying that they're not and you're lying? How do you make sense of that without realizing these people are just ridiculous, hypocritical liars that regurgitate what they're told? It's amazing. Last quick point just to make this interesting. Here, here is another waste plant fire which I didn't actually dive into as deep because apparently this is all the way from February 20th, which is just strange to me. Like, I didn't even hear about this. I mean, there's so many happening, so maybe we just you know got skipped over. 
But just just quickly get walk. I'll walk you through why this is interesting. Not because I even know if it's a problem, but watch how this has been how this has been done. Authorities warn that people who are usually sensitive to air pollution continue to be at risk on Monday. So you mean human beings? Right. Like what they're trying to say is, oh, people with, you know, asthma and so on. Okay, so only people with asthma are affected by pollution. Well, maybe maybe, again, maybe those are the ones that will break out into coughing fits. But everybody anywhere has effects by pollution. So it's interesting that all they seem to care about is whether you can outwardly see that you're being affected, not whether you're actually getting cancer or whether it's causing all sorts of immune problems. No, none of that, though. Just whether you're coughing. That's kind of crazy to me. The, The report on air quality that a contractor released to authorities included Ronald Reagan High School, a bunch of different locations within the area of concern. It says, quote, people who have chronic respiratory problems are the ones susceptible. Really? Says this guy, Dr. Chris Gamaghahimi. It's a very interesting name. The flames were smoldering at the trash pit. So again, guys, I can almost guarantee you that this trash pit full of all sorts of plastics and whatever else. Oh, and I forgot to even make that point. When you're burning these, like you're looking at the image we showed you about the location with all the pla- with all the fire, uh, the plastics built up, wherever that was, that ultimately, when you burn these things that are the, the potential to burn dioxin byproducts, where in the hell was that? That ultimately, here it is, when you burn it alongside things like cardboard, remember when we, when we, did, we read this directly from their own documentation, what does that do? Well, it exponentially increases the reach and the production of these problems, specifically dioxins, because that's what, remember when they told you that it's the product, it's the, it's the carbon that it attaches to, right? So when you give it something else to burn with, it, it makes it even worse. So just think about that with how much was there. Also, all sorts of other things built up next to it. So back to this point, my point is if you're burning a trash here, I guarantee you this is more, this is bigger than just the smoke and asthma, but that's what we're being told. Now, guess why, in my opinion? Let's go forward. It is one of the bigger buildings in the facility. A reduction in smoke after knocking down the building walls was hoping to have a resolution of the smoldering smoke in a few days. So it's also burning for days, or at least smoldering. It says, uh, of course, the EPA steps in and says, the air monitoring and samples is expected to provide preliminary results next week. Cool. So in the meantime, you're fine. Don't worry about it. The EPA is beginning to wind down its air monitoring activities as we transition with the environmental contractor that has been mobilized. Do you know who that is? Yep. The one you think about, the CTEH, the group that has been around with every single, the, the big ones we've talked about, the, uh, the God, blanking on the terms all of a sudden. Regardless, the point is the CTEH is the group that even the corporate media right now is saying that group has been caught for violating safety regulations, is seemingly involved with big companies when they want to come in and just pretend everything's fine. And the big point to me was that in CTEH, with their own... Um, it was the, where's the name for crying out loud? I'm just forgetting what the acronym was again. <laughs> Jimmy Christmas. Oh, there you go. Actually, that's perfect anyway, because he's the one I saw this from first. I didn't mean to search for that right there. This is the Center for Toxicology and Environmental Health. And the point he's making here is the same thing, that this is a group hired by Norfolk Norfolk Southern that has been involved with major cover-ups, as even the corporate media has pointed out. Now, in the recent article I just read, I think it was from the Huffington Post, they're basically saying that this group is the group you call when you want to cover it up. 
that their own website before it was updated said very clearly that we take samples and we can use those samples to help you basically fight back against people claiming they've been injured. Paraphrasing, that's literally what their site said until they changed it. So their job is to work with the people they're trying to cover up for. That's actually what their website said. Right? So knowing that this is the group that gets called in seemingly every time they want to, you know, the, whenever the EPA seems to call a group and it seems to be this group. Now, why is that? This is, again, the Pfizer of the, of the environmental problem here. Rife with background problems, probably the ones that lie just the right way. The EPA has been reporting on things like carbon monoxide. See, again, they mention those, but leave out the big one. Miami-Dade's recommendations on Monday included running the air conditioner to recirculate air, because that'll get rid of it, right? Or we'll just pull everything into your house. Now, the real point for me is that this is just how this stuff works. Now, this is written, this article, on uh, yeah February 20th, updated February 20th, but we're talking, this is April 13th. How come we didn't hear about this? And why is this same practice continuing, where the EPA steps in, disregards any bigger problem? Now, what we really need to think about here, guys, is that in the past, when did, when did we care about this stuff? Oh, there's a fire in a plant. Ah, you know, until we realized there was a bigger reason or possibly before that, it was like, okay, whatever story they gave us was generally accepted. Well, they did this and did that. Okay, good. It was just benign news, it felt like, for a long time. So how long has this been going on? How long have they been bringing in the same people to cover up a larger problem, if that's even what's happening? But we should be asking these questions. Now, suddenly, they come in and we're going, wait a minute, what did they burn? What were the byproducts? What's actually happening here? And they don't like that. I, I mean, I find it impossible to believe that a trash pit being burned is going to only cause some smoke and asthma. I can almost prove to you that that's not the case with what we just talked about today alone. But East Palestine is obviously being covered up. The EPA is obviously involved. That's my opinion. But I think they've lied mean, repeatedly in ways that it provably put people at risk. That's the Brian Festa lawsuit that I hope is still continuing. Now, I actually meant to follow up on that. It's only only one I see focused on the EPA for their negligence. But on top of all of it, too, we've got the Indiana location. We've got all these other 18,000 cows that get burned in some massive explosion. I mean, all of these things. I think we just need to ask what else is going on. But but aside from that, separately, just acknowledge this is happening. These people are doing the, the their absolute best to not let us see what this is causing. Now, on top of all that, we should also be asking whether there is a larger motive, maybe maybe to create something like this, to for land grabs or whatever the alternative the arguments would be about what they're trying to accomplish. Those are very valid points to make, and we shouldn't we should be asking those questions. And if we can't prove them, we shouldn't argue that's the only thing happening either. But I think this is very very important. Now, to that original point about whether somebody might have intentionally done something like this, wouldn't you argue that the the government itself has a motive to get rid of this problem? to potentially hide something else? Wouldn't you argue that even the individual could be potentially responsible for trying to get rid of a clear problem before he goes, you know, potentially gets charged for a crime? Now, I'm not saying I know any of that. And as an investigator, as a reporter, as an aggregator of information, we have every right to theorize about the different possibilities, right? If I was coming out saying, Seths could be going, you know, calling people by name and saying that they're criminals, well, that's one thing. But we have every right to entertain possibilities, and with all the information in front of us, the only reason that we're forced to do that is because they do not give you what you need to understand what's happening. They give you what they want you to see so you trust what they're telling you. Nobody's doing that anymore. Thank God. Well, thank you for tuning in today. We will follow up with all of this. I've got some great stuff coming out today with from Derek, from Robert, more coming your way. So make sure you check it out on the website, thelastamericanvagabond.com. And everything else, make sure you check out our sub stack. Make sure you check out the upcoming event. 
Got a lot of stuff coming your way. All the links below. Thank you for being here. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.